If you want to know why there's a shot of a pig's balls in a Pride and Prejudice movie, you should listen to Adapt or Die, co-hosted by Pippa Russell and KJ Minster, a bi-weekly podcast about adaptations of all kinds, from classic literature to movies to television and everything in between. Here's a clip. They have these goofy, like, hairstyles that I guess are appropriate for the time. They look like normal dudes. And everyone in the party is like, oh, so handsome. And like, this is, this is fun. This they is good. They look like Twilight vampires. The Bingleys look like Twilight vampires. Why do they look exactly like Twilight you vampires? You know why. Because the vampires in Twilight were probably based off the styling from the 2005 movie. Who wants to bed? Adapt or Die. Available on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The Legacy Saga may contain subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Specific content warnings are available in the episode description. The Earthly Delight, the once grand golden ship, now stripped of its wealth and reduced to the size of a manageable raft, bobbed up and down just off the shore far down the Serpent's River, bound to a small tree by a length of rope. Tomorrow she'd regain her size and die in a blaze of glory. All agreed, Hieronymus would not have wanted it any other way. Their final campsite hid amongst the last copse of trees along the river before the Plains of Solitude. Rowan and Ariel stood at the grove's edge and gazed across the landscape. They could see Kingsland and its castle rise into the night. It really lives up to the name. What does? The Plains. It feels so empty out there. Even the trees look lonely. Hell, the god of this province, Esno, is called the Lonely God. How do you know that? After what Brineus said on the train, I've taken some time to familiarize myself with the other gods of the Pantheon. I'm still devoted to Calpurnia, of course, but I thought it'd be smart to learn. For example, the god of serpents, Tao, is known for their mischief, which is why I was extra cautious when we passed through these past couple days. Well then, it appears I should know too. Thank you. After this, I should take some time to do the same. At least we seem to have gotten through there okay. For now, the only one besides Calpurnia you should be familiar with is Elbrus. Who's he? Calpurnia's husband, and king of the gods. The book says he lives on the peak of Montrose, the tallest mountain in the nation. I'll make sure to remember that. The plains will make our approach somewhat difficult. Yes. However, if you look there... Ariel pointed away from the capital to a large rolling hill. The six of us and Valor can ride behind the hill while our attack force and the Earthly Delight goes down the river. We should get far enough to route around unnoticed. Good. 
I like that plan. The two of them remained there, close to each other at the edge of camp. Ariel turned away from the plains and looked at Rowan. He noticed a small lock of hair had escaped her neat ponytail. With a cautious finger, Ariel delicately curled it around her ear. She looked up at him. Rowan. Yes? Um, tomorrow, in case we, you know. We're not going to die. No, uh, no, we're not. But in the off chance something terrible does happen. What is it? I, um, I'm glad you'll be beside me when and if that bad thing happens. Y yeah, me too. Ariel! Rowan! Come see this! The intimate moment broke, and the two of them rushed to Cortez. He stood in front of a large force of newly arrived soldiers, and beside him, with his suit pants covered in mud, was... Tycho, what are you doing here? I didn't think you were a soldier. I'm not, but I am a friend to Bernard. The first thing he did after receiving your call to action was contact me. I thought you had said you'd hope to never see us again. I did say that, yes. After the deaths of Ormond and Ophion, my home has been racing towards prosperity. The only thing holding us back were those extortionists, Garen and Hela. Thanks to you, they too are gone. I hope to never be dragged so close to the chaos I perceived to surround you. Yet after receiving word from Bernard, I had to begrudgingly accept the good you also do. We are so glad to have you and the reinforcements of Gila. Ariel vigorously shook Tycho's hand, then showed his reinforcements where they could pitch tents. Not long after Sabin had rested his head on a pillow and closed his eyes, he found himself facing his father once more. You're close now, Sabin, aren't you? You ask like I'm going to respond. Why would I do that? You have been known for speaking when you shouldn't. Fair. I'll give you that. Something that has been a point of contention between you and your friends, hasn't it? Just shut up. I'm not listening to you. Get out of my head. Sabin. Please. Forget about ruling. Forget about Highgate. Forget about this revolution. Consider... Consider the life we could have had. Think about how the Atanos are so-called family deprived us of ever enjoying that. Come to the castle. Let us be father and son for just one moment before we try to kill each other. Saban woke once more. Fuck. Ah, uh, guys. Saban went ahead on his own. He says he has a plan and to trust him. Wait, seriously? I'm sure he's devised a great plan to help us out. We can't wait for him. We have to move now. Right? I hope... Oh, God damn it, Sabin. I hope you weren't right about him running off when something better came along, Rowan. 
Livana the Owl soared high above the Plains of Solitude and watched the commencing battle take shape. From the east, Aurora Nova guided their army along the hills, clinging to their shadows as long as they could. On the river, the shrunken earthly delight floated toward her fate. Livana could see Yoan and the artist entourage hiding under blankets on her deck. In one hand, the artist held a charm, in the other, a fuse. Ship incoming! A guard on the wall shouted. At the same time, the owl watched as Aurora Nova and Valor broke off from the rest of their forces and went south along the hills. The armies of Arkham and Gila crested the hill and began their charge. Sound the alarm! Levana watched as the guards rushed to light braziers and warned the city of the impending attack. They aimed the ballista at the ship, but missed her shrunken frame. The horse riders traded arrows with the guards on the wall. One archer climbed to a new vantage point and took aim at Benedict near the front of the charge. Ah! Levana clawed the archer's face making her miss her shot entirely. She recovered and aimed for the owl, but was distracted by the arrival of a new threat. From the north, the amassed people of the border of the expanse arrived, slinging arrows at the wall. The guards on the wall ducked down to avoid fire and formulate a new plan. Livana saw Yoan snap the charm, the earthly delight grew to its true size and majesty. The artists aboard threw off their blankets and swirled magic in their hands. Together they attacked the wall, shaping its once solid structure into a delicate boss relief of their dead patron, Hieronymus. Yoan conjured a small flame in his palm and touched it to the fuse that snaked into the belly of the earthly delight. For beauty, for freedom, for Hieronymus and the blaze of glory he deserved. Jump, my friends. Yoan and the artists of Stormbreaker Isle leapt from the earthly delight. Aurora Nova raced along their hidden hill path. Livana returned to Atara as they arrived at the main road. If only we had time to hear what you saw back there. The main gate rose in front of them. Make haste. We have to get through before they close the gate. The gate was open and unguarded. A tall man in a lion's mask stood in its mouth. At their approach, he tapped his throat. The roar shook the walls and startled the horses. Each reared back, throwing off their riders, and then fled to the plains. That's far enough. Valor. Stand down, Ferdinand. There is no need for you to die. <laughs> you truly believe you will win the day? No. Loyalty demands I stop you before you can go further. Valor regained his feet and raised his hands. A small tornado swirled around the emerald green bracer on his wrist. In one quick motion, Valor pointed his hands to Ferdinand and hurled a great downdraft of wind at him. Ugh. Ferdinand flew back out of the gate. 
When his back hit the ground, he threw his body with the momentum and rolled over to his knees. <laughs> you were never one for loyalty, Ferdinand. Why begin now? <sighs> Cassius deserves far more loyalty than the old, dead king. Go. I'll deal with him. At his command, the Emerald Bracer unraveled and straightened into a sword. Dad, we need you. Don't worry. You'll do fine, and I'll be right behind you. I'm proud of you, Rowan. As Aurora Nova ran off down another street, Valor and Ferdinand clashed swords. <laughs> Word of the attack on the city cleared the streets as the guards ran to the fighting and the civilians hid in their homes. Oof. Oh. Well, here it is. All right, let's go. Naya took the lead. Before they descended into the stench of the tunnels, she dropped a small pouch and crushed it with her staff while chanting a verse three times. A bubble of darkness surrounded the five of them. When the party reached the small stone platform above the water, Naya also conjured a tiny ethereal flame to light the way. Aurora Nova kept silent in the sewers, both from the nerves racing through all of them and for fear that somehow they may be heard. As the party walked along, they heard muffled sounds of the city, from the casual sounds of a home to the stomp of boots and hooves, no doubt belonging to a battalion of guards racing to the battle. Okay, we're here. Their current position in the sewer tunnel looked much the same as the rest of their journey. Naya began to push against the walls. Is there supposed to be like a switch or something? No, not on this side. He looked over at Atara, and then the two of them walked directly through the wall. What the hell? The wall of the sewer now opened, revealing an antechamber lit by hanging torches. It's enchanted so that members of the Atono family can pass through the solid brick. This lever here is for... Guests, I suppose. Well, I guess that settles any remaining doubt about y'all's family heritage. The secret tunnel led them up through the city and deposited them at the center of a hedge maze in the castle gardens. Ugh, not another fucking maze! The hedges proved to be far less deadly and twisted than Minos. The five navigated out of the maze and into the large, beautifully landscaped garden. Rising above them, the great castle glimmered in the sun. We are almost there, Theo. This is the room I grew up in. Not lavish like my brothers and sisters, but nice nonetheless. Cassius walked Sabin through the halls of the castle while the faint echoes of battle could be heard outside. Okay, enough of the castle. You've shown me around, but haven't explained anything. What would you like me to explain? You already know why I did what I did. What about Mom? You haven't said a word about her. Yes. I met Clara during my tour of the nation. I traveled to Raven's Rock to find someone who'd overthrow her family, but of course, she didn't know that. 
She thought I was just a sad, banished prince, which wasn't entirely untrue. I convinced her that my cause was righteous, just as I had convinced everyone I rallied. Just as I convinced myself. Cassius walked silently for a moment. She and I fled the province and camped out in the Plains of Solitude while we waited for my final plan to begin. This next part you already know. I kill my father, my brother and sister flee, I take the throne. Things wouldn't settle down for a number of months. But I asked Clara if she would marry me once they did. She said yes and told me she was pregnant with you. Sounds like everything was going great. Why'd she leave? She found out what happened to her family. Clara knew that they'd be overthrown, and she accepted that. Both your grandfathers were far from the noble ancestors that won them the right to rule. But the woman I allied with in Raven's Rock, Merikat, she was beyond cruel. What she did to your grandparents and your aunts was unspeakable. Something fit only for the bloodiest of dramas. When Clara found out, she saw my true nature. I don't know how, but she contacted Peleus and they escaped shortly after. Her note said not to look for her. And for once I did as I was told. Cassius and Sabin reached the throne room doors. Your mother fled because she saw what I truly am, what you are too. Don't be frightened by what you see beyond these doors. It's our destiny. Cassius opened the doors to the throne room. A physical darkness coated the room Sabin had seen in his dreams. Like lazy clouds in the sky, he saw the darkness sway only when he focused on it. At the end of the chamber was the dais upon which a single throne sat next to one that had been shattered long ago. Bound to the beams, Theo hung in a spider's web of darkness above the throne. Cassius walked over to the throne, picked up the crown, and placed it on his head. The gems turned black and vomited more darkness. Our families rejected us. Our friends rejected us. The gods rejected us. Sabin, we must choose each other. Legacy Saga is produced by Welcome Matt Radio, written and narrated by me, the artist currently known as Mosmo Napoli, sound design and audio engineering by Austin Olivia Kendrick, additional sound editing by Sam Trout, vocal direction by Matthew Moore, music direction and composition by Emma Whitley and Mac and Carol. Full cast lists can be found in the episode description. For more detailed information about the show, visit our website, welcomemattradio.com or follow us on Instagram and TikTok at welcomemattradio or on Twitter at matt underscore welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tell us what you think over on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss out on the story. Mm-hmm.